2: Now, let me pause for a moment
3: and clarify this. While he was with God, we might want to make the case he needed to be alone with God. I don't know so much that he needed to be alone with God because he was fully God. At the same time, he was man, so there was that need to connect with God the Father, in a sense. I think there's a greater lesson in here. I think the greater lesson is that he is modeling his entire life for us. People have needs, we serve them. We minister to them. At the same time, in the midst of all of that, we cannot reach everybody. We cannot teach everybody. We cannot heal everybody. We cannot resolve everybody's problem and conflict. We do what we can. But at the same time, as a premier value of serving others, oh, watch this, is to serve ourselves for a moment and get alone with God. And so you got to withdraw from service to be quiet now that was part one. Notice part two, Pick it up at the period there, and it says, "And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and when they found him, they said to him, "Everyone is looking for you." But he said to them, "Let us go into the other towns, the next towns that I may preach there also because of this purpose, I have come forth." And he was preaching in their synagogues were all Galilee, and they healed demons here 's my simple point is this. If you will, maybe want to look up here, and I'll kind of do it with my arms again. He was dealing with the people in this location. He then quietly went up, got up early the next morning, tired perhaps as his physicalness was, and he went out and he walked out to a quiet place to pray, solitary place to be with God the Father. They finally found them there. And he said, come on, Jesus, back to these people here. But Jesus says, but in there, we're going to the next town. So you'll never be able to complete everything. You'll never be able to get it all done. There'll always be another town. There'll always be another city. There'll always be another phone call. There'll always be another job. There'll always be another thing you have to do. But in between those two, the past and the future, sometimes you've got to carve out the present to be alone with God. He was our model, withdrawing from service to be quiet. And then finally, he withdrew from schedules, society, from service, and from schedules. It says here, Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself. And from them he chose 12 whom he also named as apostles. Now, I'm going to read a little bit more into this, and I hope I'm not uh, doing injustice uh, exegetically to this passage. I don't think I am, but I think there's something we can draw from this. In other words, when he was by himself, he was preparing to select out of a bunch of people who were following him, 12 guys that he was then going to build more of his time of his life into them because he knew that he only had three years left and he's going to release them. So he now gets away from the schedule of healing, preaching, casting out demons, all that stuff, and he gets alone, and now he spends the evening in prayer, the whole night in prayer, awake in prayer, because he's about ready, watch this now, to make a major decision in his life that would affect his legacy, our legacy, and the entire world. And so he took that time to be quiet. He didn't confer with anybody, he didn't read any books, obviously he didn't have to. But he did get a loan. And I'm wondering again if there's a model in that. That you might be facing a major decision in your life. It could be career altering. It could be hiring. It could be anything that affects your money, your finances. Purchasing a house. Purchasing a car. Purchasing a a plasma screen TV. Whatever it might be. That we just go so quickly because we have so much and we rely too much on our own um, ability to make these decisions then maybe modeling after Christ, realizing that every decision has benefits and potential consequences. And quietness is the way that we'll be able to allow the dust to settle on all this information and allow the sparkling gold of the right choice to be seen. And so perhaps we have to break away from our schedules long enough again to allow all that information to kind of sift its way, so the truth comes to us by God. Here he did it by prayer. Here's a phrase for you: you might want to cogitate, think on this, meditate on it. Business can cause barrenness. Some of us think we're very full, but really our busyness has made us bare, barren all right and finally we'll end with this what could I do to demonstrate quietness in my life I'm ready to do that I know I need to have some quietness in my life what, what might it be so by the power of God to glorify Him I'm going to do a couple of things three things four things here first of all I need to learn when to say no to people so I can say yes to God there's a time in our life that we have to say that uh, two letter word no no And we say no to people, but we say yes to God. I'd like you to look at the verse I have for you there. It's found in Zechariah, and it says this. Be silent, all flesh, so that would include man, woman, boy, and girl, whether you're a teacher or a student, whether you're a parent or a grandchild, whether you're young, whether you're old, whether you're a professional, or whether you're a laborer, whether you're a church person or not. It says, Be silent, all flesh, before the Lord, for He has aroused from His Holy habitation. He is aroused. He's here. He's waiting. He's ready to go. Be quiet before him so we can say yes to him. Next, learn when service to God means listening to him first. I wonder how many ministries and businesses and organizations and maybe even relationships have begun so fast before we ever listen to God first. This verse says, be silent before me, you islands, let the nations renew their strength. Now, if I might just say this earlier on in my message, I was giving illustrations of how much the Lord prayed. Sometimes there's a time you get alone with God, you get alone by yourself, and you don't even pray. You just sit there, and supernaturally, you begin to meditate on Scripture, begin to take Scripture and God and run God through Scripture to make sure that the God you're thinking about is the God of Scripture and not some other man-made God or some religious God out there. And just think about Him. And you be still. Now, folks, I want you to listen to me with all my heart. I want you to listen to what I'm about to say. God wants to communicate with you. God wants to connect with you. Not because he's lonely and has a need, but because we need the connection with him. We need to listen. One of the um, more painful times as a parent, uh, there's a bunch of kids. You'll be a parent, you'll know what I mean. But but sometimes when you get older, you're beyond the uh, spanking age. Or any of that, and now we're at the stage that we're trying to communicate to you. The most painful thing is when parents are speaking to you, and mom and dad know that you aren't listening. You're quiet, you are there. Some of your body language might show to them that you're listening, but you're so good at sin management that you're thinking you're convincing them that you're listening, but in reality, You're rolling your eyes, you're shutting yourself off, all you're hearing is just verbiage, and you're not really hearing their heart. Some of you are smart enough now, so your argument is, why are they telling me this? They got faults in their own life, and so what we do is we throw out any good just because they haven't lived it. Well, even if they didn't live it, and they're hypocrites, and they have all sorts of problems, if what they're saying is still truth, embrace it. You got to listen. And sometimes in our quietness with God, He's speaking to us not to rebuke us, but He's trying to comfort us. He's trying to encourage us. He's trying to vision cast for us so we can connect better to Him. And He says, would you just be still? Let me speak to you. Just quiet for a moment. Number three, we need to learn to arrange my time for extended periods to be alone with God. Sometimes it requires a lot of time to be alone with God or frequent periods of short times with him, but times where it's quiet. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest, you shall be saved in quietness and confidence shall be your strength. So I'm wondering sometimes the longer I'm quiet, the more strength I might have. All right, and then finally, number four is, I like this one. If you want to, you can put a star by this one. Learn to be still to learn God's word. Look at, it says, listen to this, O Job. Stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. Well, I wanted to end with this for this reason. <clears throat> Because here I'm looking at is a man named Job, and to whom, or what is being spoken to him is this. Job, you've got a lot of problems. you lost your family, you lost your wealth, you've lost your health, and you've got a wife that's kind of growling at you. You've lost your friends, they're nothing more than miserable comforters. And so here you've got Job with all sorts of problems with his life, as godly as an individual as he was you may be that same way. You've gone through a lot of loss and you're trying to play catch-up financially, relationally, career-wise, and you're trying to make it all work and try to get ahead. And maybe for just a moment, what you can do is to say this. Instead of me trying to crawl my way back from where I've fallen behind or for me to try to solve all my problems, I'm going to just be still for a moment. I'm going to listen to the Lord And I'm going to be encouraged. I'm going to be strengthened by truth. And to be strengthened by truth, I'm going to focus on the wonderful works of God. And I got thinking about, for you all, if I was to submit, all right, what work should I think about? Well, we could go off in a big litany about creation, especially since we live here in Hawaii. Look at all the things that he has made here. Don't you enjoy driving around the island just to see the different colored water that we have? If you do, say, "Uh uh-huh. When I go swimming, it's like swimming in Windex. You know, someone told me, I thought, it's beautiful, isn't it? Gorgeous. We could talk about those wonderful works, and they are. And we could fight for the beautiful, wonderful works that God has made to keep it clean and go into the green thing. But at the same time, we could also look at other wonderful works. But if I could only leave you with one. Because as good as the earth is and as good as different things that God has done in your life, that probably won't have quite as much of an eternal impact on you. So if I had to select one work of God for you to be still and listen and see that one work of God in your quietness, it would be the work of God that would connect you to him for all eternity in the glories of heaven. If you will, for a moment, look above this and you're going to see our cross. The greatest work of God for us on an eternal way, fashion, would be when God said, I'm going to come to this earth as a human being, but be God still. And so Christ, who is God, was born of a virgin, grew up a perfect sinless life, modeled Christianity taught as a teacher Christianity to another generation, commanded them to teach that to other generations till today and in the future. As great as all that is, he ended his earthly life for the time when he went to the cross. Now, some people would look at that and say, Oh, there's Christ. He's a religious leader of Christianity, and he got a bum rap. We all saw the movie, The Passion of Christ, and so he died up on the cross. Horrible thing. But, oh, what a great man he was to start Christianity because of all that he suffered when he went to the cross. And let me tell you something, it had nothing to do with that. It wasn't to start a new religion, Christianity. The purpose he went to the cross is because he existed before he was born. He was here when the world was formulated. He is God, so he is from everlasting to everlasting. When man was created, he knew that man would fall into sin, and we have sin today. And he knew that the only way that that sin could be removed is through the payment that would be made. He said, when you pay for it, you'll spend eternity in hell forever paying for it. He made it that way. He said, because I can't have sinful people in heaven with me. You'll never get there. So he said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to live this perfect life. I'm going to go to the cross. And when I go to the cross, I'm going to pay for sin through death, just like you. But there's a difference. I'm going to take all your sin on me. You have no sin. I have no sin. You have all the sin. I'm going to take all your sin on myself. And when I do that, I'm now going to satisfy God by paying for that sin when I die on the cross. So when Jesus died, he shed his blood for us, his body was broken for us, and then he died on that cross when he took that moment of sin forever. And then when he died, he rose again from the dead, and he did that to display some things. One is to prove that he said he would come back from life, come back from the dead, rather. He proved that he had victory over death, he had victory over sin, he had victory over Satan, he had victory over hell, and he showed himself alive. And it didn't surprise me. I hope it doesn't surprise you. He could do that. Why? He's God. But when he did it, he took your sin 2,000 years ago. Now, this isn't my denomination, our religion telling you this. I'm just giving it to you from the Bible. So don't worry about your background, what religion or denomination that you have. It doesn't matter right now. What does matter is what you do with Christ. So your quietness is to listen to him as he speaks to you about salvation. I'm going to visualize it for you in a moment, and then I'm going to give you a verse, and I want you to listen to the very words of Christ because this is the work you want to listen to that will send you into eternity of heaven. All right, visually look up here. Let my right hand represent you and me, and my wallet sin. The Bible says we all have sin on us. The Bible says because I'm a sinner, I'm separated from him, and when I die, I'll spend eternity there. The Bible says to go to heaven, I've got to be perfect, but I have sin on me. The Bible also says no good deed I do myself will get rid of that sin. It is good to be good, everybody. Social good deeds, religious good deeds, all good. But when you rely on that thinking they'll get you to heaven, very bad. Because God says, nope, it's not that. So then when we do these things in order to get to heaven, then what we're really doing is dishonoring and disobeying God. And so he says, that's not how you do it. So good works don't get you to heaven. Now let my left hand represent God It took on flesh, Christ. Here am I with my sin. Jesus Christ says, my sin separates me from him. The Bible says that he loves me, but he hates my sin. now you're listening. Now you're listening to the wonderful works of God. God then said... My son's going to come. Jesus then said, he took all of our sin on himself when he died. That was a work that he did. He took all of our sin on himself. He then died and he rose again from the dead. That was work. That was his deed that he did for us. He rose again from the dead. Now his other deed is to communicate to you what you need to do to have eternal life. He did that by telling his disciples to tell everybody else that knows Christ as Savior to now tell everybody, so now I'm here today as a result of what he taught 2,000 years ago, so you would hear it. That's a work of God, to keep it going. And you're here today, part of that work. Contemplate it. Be quiet and listen to him. Now I'm going to quote the Bible verse. For God so loved the world. Listen to him. Jesus spoke. That's you. God loves you. Whatever your past is, He loves you. No qualifier. He loves you. That whoever you are, if you believe on Him, you wouldn't perish in hell, but have everlasting life. Let me quote it right from Scripture. For God so loved the world that He gave, that's His work, His only Son on the cross, when He died, rose again. That whoever you are, If you would believe in Him, you wouldn't perish, but you'd have everlasting life. Now, if there was one moment to be quiet, it's the moment that you have been quiet now. If there was ever a time to listen to God, it's to listen to His Word, not me. His Word. And He said, Jesus speaking, Truly, truly, I say unto you, He that believes on me has everlasting life. That's contemplating. The greatest work of God was on the cross of Calvary. This old earth is going to crack apart, but you will last forever if you trust Christ as your Savior. Would you do that? Let's bow our heads close our eyes. Let's take a moment for that. We're not talking church membership. We may never see you again. I'm speaking to every guest here. I'm speaking to some of our people that have been here a long time. But to have that quietness, Now is the time to have that momentary act of contemplation upon God. God loves you. He's proved his love toward you and while you're yet sinning, Jesus died and he rose again. And he said to you that the only thing you can do is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ so you can have everlasting life. Now my friend, I pray that you do that. You're not here by accident. God allowed you to come, invited you to be here. He laid this particular message upon my heart. It's one we all need, including your your preacher here, your pastor. And so in quietness, let's be still and know that He is God. Let's be still and know that He is exalted above all the nations, whether they exalt Him or not. He will be exalted. And that the Lord of hosts is with us right now. And I believe at this very moment with your heads bowed and eyes closed, he is now sending his spirit to you to remind you that you need a Savior because you're a sinner. And that he says, I quickly want you to know I love you, I will forgive you. Now turn to me as your Savior. Would you do that? Would you right now, as if you're up on a mountain praying to the Father and say, Lord, I want you to know that I am thankful that you died and rose again. I am receiving you as my personal Savior right now. Would you do that? Now, I'm not going to have you stand up or come forward. I'm not going to come down, come in the crowd here. But I want to know if you're trusting Christ as your Savior. And in a moment, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. Now, raising your hand won't get you to heaven. I want you to know that just trusting Christ is. But I want to know if you've trusted Christ in here today. So if today is the day that you've trusted him and you're saying, Lord, I'm a sinner, but the best to know how I'm going to trust Christ to give me eternal life, and you'd like for me to pray for you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around, would you slip up your hand right now so I can see it? Is there anyone at all but an uplifted hand? Indicating to me that you're trusting Christ. Thank you, my friend. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. Those of you that are doing that now, you might want to let me know in that little card that's put in your little worship folder there and just put your name and phone number and just check in there that, yep, today is the day I trusted Christ, but I didn't want to raise my hand. I promise you no one will look at that card. It'll come directly to my desk and I'm going to pray for you there. So maybe you want to do it more privately, which is fine. And I love you for that. Now let me just speak to the rest of you about quietness. Did God speak to you today about purposely going into a world of quietness? You know it says better is a dry morsel with quietness. That means better for just a little crumb than a house full of feasting when there's strife around. So there is value in quietness. It may not be in what you possess, but it will be in who possesses you. Better as a handful with quietness than having your hands full, just bound together with toil and grasping the wind, just so much motion and commotion. So better as a handful with a little bit, but have quietness. So maybe the lack of quietness is due because we are trying to pursue too much stuff, too many relationships, instead of maybe realizing the most important relationship is a quiet one resting in God. How many of you would like to have prayer because you know you can make some decisions in your life that you can control and you are now going to the Lord and you're saying, Lord, I want to be quiet. I want to have the balance you had to be around the crowds, be around individuals, and to know when to be alone. And I'm asking you, Lord, to help me so that I can be properly balanced in the area of quietness would you slip up your hand is there anyone here that would like me to pray for you god bless you amen amen our gracious heavenly father i know that it is good for us to be quiet it's also good for us to be busy when we need to be busy and we need to have the wisdom to know the difference between the two and when we need to do each and lord i'm so grateful because you have modeled it you've given us the spirit and that you will now help us to do this And that we will reap the benefits I especially pray for our young people here Because I am so excited about where they're going in their walk with you And now, Father, I pray that they would Begin to embrace a time of quietness Away from the computers Away from the phones Away from the things that would distract them Set it all aside Knowing that it's okay You'll take care of all the stuff left undone and that they would be alone with you. Not sleeping, not daydreaming, but alone contemplating you. Now, Father, I pray that this would be as much of a habit in their life as eating and taking a shower is. And that, Father, that they would live that balanced life. Now, Father, I love you and I thank you for today. And help us now to be properly quiet. In Jesus' name, amen.
4: 94.9 FM, AM 950, the word. Right now it's mostly sunny. It is 88, feels like 95. I'm Alan Dempsey, as usual, with you here, but it's kind of unusual. This is the last week in September 2017. It'll never happen again. That's right, beginning uh, next Sunday, October 1st, brand new month as the year flies on by. Trust you have been blessed by the ministry of Stan Pons and make it clear. Have it for you Monday through Friday. Friday at the same time in the afternoon at 530 more information on this local Orlando ministry find it all online at the word orlando.com well are you a pastor here in Central Florida maybe you are or are you maybe a senior pastor and assistant maybe you're an education music or youth pastor if you are I have a question for you how would you like to win a trip for two to Israel that's right. Well, when you join up for Central Florida's biggest pastor appreciation event of the year, the 2017 Pastors Appreciation Lunch, coming up October 26th at the Rosen Plaza on I-Drive, you have a chance to win that trip for two to Israel, a trip of a lifetime from Genesis Tours. All you have to do is sign up now at the WordOrlando.com to attend this event. We'll have Philip DeCourcy of Know the Truth there. He'll deliver a message of encouragement and strength for all all pastors, there will be a really wonderful, huge uh, ministry expo for all the pastors there. And of course, pastors like food like me, and you'll enjoy a delicious lunch there. And the food from the Rosen Plaza is always A+. plus. It really is good. You can lift your hands, you can lift your hearts, and praise the Lord with other like-minded pastors as well. It's an absolutely free event. That's right, an absolutely free event for all pastors here in Central Florida. So, pre register now at the wordorlando.com. The wordorlando.com. When you do, you get a chance to win that trip for two to Israel, the trip of a lifetime. And you also get to have a great time, and I get to meet you, and I always enjoy that too. So, register today at the wordorlando.com for the 2017 Pastor's Appreciation Lunch. It's coming up October 26th at the Rosen Plaza on I Drive from the station that Lunch. Love's Howard Pastors, 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Coming up next, it's Spiritual Oxygen, here where faith comes by hearing.
1: Hi everyone, Pete Paquette, radio host here at Salem Media Group Orlando, and I wear glasses. Yes, I admit it, since I was a little kid. Never could wear contacts either, but now my eyesight is changing and so am I. I'm sick of fumbling with eyeglasses, the dents in my temples, fogging, the list goes on and on. So I looked into LASIK, and you know who I found? The Philotowski Cataract and LASIK Institute. And now I'm excited to look forward to leaving the glasses on the nightstand. Yeah, first I went online to myvisionfreedom.com. I learned about LASIK and Dr. Filatowski, Central Florida's most experienced LASIK surgeon with over 41,000 LASIK procedures, 25 years of changing lives. Then I called 800 Eye Exam and set up a visit to the Filatowski Cataract and LASIK Institute in Lake Mary. I had a complete eye exam. I had a consult with a board-certified optometrist. I'm feeling pretty comfortable about getting on with the next stage of my life without glasses. LASIK's the answer for me. I know it will be for you, too. Go online to MyVisionFreedom.com or call 800 Eye Exam. The Filatowski Cataract and LASIK Institute.
0: From the Fideltowski LASIK Institute Studios, this is 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. WTLN Orlando. Where faith comes by hearing.